Galnet News Digest, 31st of January, 3309. We read the news so you don't have to. The Kumo crew stages a daring land grab in the California Nebula, and the pieces are beginning to come together to make the reformation of Aegis possible. But first, the Pilots' Federation has made some changes to make the Thargoid War easier to wage. The war against the Thargoids started over two months ago. Humanity has been doing well at slowing down the Thargoids, but it could be doing better. And now we have some tools to make it just that little bit easier. The first small but important change is in the galaxy map, which now has the names of the maelstroms and gives useful information about the progress of the battle in each of the systems, showing the five systems with the most progress in each of the alert, invasion and control states, so commanders can better choose where to fight for maximum benefit. There's a list of the things commanders can do to help out. The galaxy map also shows clearly if a system has already been sorted, so commanders won't fight on needlessly when the Thargoids are already planning their retreat. Thargoid-controlled systems near the front line of the Thargoid advance now have AX conflict zones, which will hopefully make the fight back easier, and for systems recovering from Thargoid attack, powering up all the settlements could take as much as a week off the time before the system is once again fully operational. Also, payouts for anti-Thargoid missions have been considerably increased, with some missions offering a reward of more than one exquisite focus crystal. Renowned soothsayer Derin of the House of Halil has dropped dark hints that humanity could be doing far better if it concentrated on the places Thargoids haven't quite got to yet. Some believe that this means we should be concentrating on systems that are under Thargoid alert, possibly destroying more Orthrus interceptors or more of the scouts they call to help them. No doubt more will become apparent in the coming days. We've been clamouring for ages to have a longer-range Xeno scanner, and now, at last, there is one. Peering into a Thargoid interceptor's cockpit is not something many of us relish, especially when the Thargoid is trying to freeze you with its death ray. But until now, getting intimate with the electric cuddle has been the only way of scanning for those Thargoid hearts we all like to shoot. Now at last, thanks to Professor Ishmael Palin and his technicians, the 500-metre range Zeno scanner has been supplemented, some might say replaced, by a scanner that lets you probe aliens from four times further away, with a range of two kilometres and the only downside, an increase of 0.6 megawatts power consumption, is hard to imagine why anyone would use the old sort. The new Zeno scanner is available at all rescue ships, which are turning into the go-to place for non-Guardian anti-Zeno equipment, as well as at military, high-tech and industrial planetary bases. And that's not the only new anti-Zeno equipment you can buy at the rescue ships from today. Azimuth Biotech's size 3 weapon stabiliser modules were made available yesterday at the Glorious Prospect Megaship for many of those that participated in the appeal for commodities to manufacture the stabilisers. However, they did not go on general sale at rescue ships as planned. Azimuth blames supply chain issues, but remains confident that the modules, which allow five anti-Zeno weapons to be fitted at once, 
will sell well. It's slightly embarrassing for Azimuth that it put out a statement yesterday that the modules were selling well, a full day before they were available to buy. However, it claims it remains committed to combating Thargoid aggression and that it will be developing more technology over the coming months. The size 5 variant of the weapon stabiliser, which will allow 6 AX weapons to be fitted, is due to become available on Thursday the 2nd of February, but is anyone's guess if it will be released on schedule. Azimuth also claimed that it remains committed to protecting innocent lives. Something with which those who died in the Kornsar system, on the sabotage Aegis megaship Alexandria, or during the vile experiments at Azimuth's Oakham Point Research Centre, might not entirely agree. But let's not worry too much about lies, sabotage and human rights atrocities, attempted genocide, megalomania, or indeed the late delivery of modules. Run along and spend your credits with Azimuth. iconic Mick Turner base, as well as the Turner Research Base and Red March Laboratory, have fallen to the self-styled King of the Kumo crew, Archon Delane. The move follows Delane's pronouncement on Friday that he planned to protect the California Nebula from Thargoids. In practice, this appears to mean a land grab, with three key bases being snatched from their rightful Alliance owners without any of the fighting that would normally precede such a move. The Kumo Council megaship moved into Alliance-managed California Sector HR-WD1-28 on Thursday. Despite support for the resident Turner Research Group remaining strong, with a better than 90% approval rating, the Kumo Council now runs the only base in the system, Turner Research Base, making it all but impossible for the Alliance faction to regain the base. The Kumo crew have also taken Red March Laboratory in the California Sector JH-V-C2-12, although the Turner Research Group still controls the two settlements in that system, and Mick Turner Base, which was founded in October 3302 with the help of thousands of commanders to study the newly discovered barnacles and their meta-alloys before anyone knew the barnacles were Thargoid in origin. The base is named after one of the two founders of the Alliance, and has been hugely important to the Alliance with its policy of expansion into barnacle-rich systems. Despite criticism that the meta-alloys have been over-exploited, the Alliance factions in the California Nebula have tried to maintain good relations with the Thargoids, an arrangement that puts them at odds with Prime Minister Mahan's defence arrangement with Sirius Corporation. The only two systems that remain fully under Alliance control a California Sector BV-YC7, with its Darwin Research Facility asteroid base, and HIP-180-77, home to the facility named after the Prime Minister, Mahan Research Base. It's unclear at this stage what the Alliance will do about the Kumo crew's appropriation of its bases, but some key pro-Thargoid and local Alliance factions, including the Allied Order of Exemplars, the YKE Technologies and McCoy Spaceways, have organised a blockade of the Kumo crew command megaship, the Mictlan. They have reported seeing unusual goods being transported to the Mictlan, including AI relics and prototype tech, which they believe may show a link to Azimuth Biotech. With Prime Minister Mahan taking a weekend break at Skyglow Havens, no official response is expected from the Alliance before Monday. (laughs) 
In a move that may bring hope for a revival of Aegis, Admiral Aidan Tanner has resigned his commission to the Federal Navy and says he'll work to defeat the Thargoids as an independent military specialist. Together with Professor Albert Tesro, its research director, Admiral Tanner led the Trans-Superpower Anti-Xeno Research and Defence Organisation, Aegis, from its foundation in August 3303 until it was shut down after its operations were sabotaged by rival Salvation at the end of 3307. Tanner was pardoned three weeks ago by President Hudson for his acts of mutiny and unlawful military action in the T-Tory system. Tanner believed and was subsequently vindicated in his belief that Salvation was unnecessarily sacrificing human lives in pursuing his vendetta against the Thargoids. Hudson wanted Tanner's anti-Thargoid expertise in the Federal Navy, but in an article in today's Federal Times, Tanner explained that his disillusionment at political meddling and the limitation caused by the bureaucratic constraints of the military command structure in the face of a fast-moving war against the Thargoids that the Federal Navy is unable to adapt to means that he believes he can better serve humanity as an independent specialist. He said he'll continue to coordinate with Fleet Admiral Tayo Maikori, but that he'll also collaborate with other organisations. Tanner thanked President Hudson and those who assisted him in his abortive military action in Titori, and reminded his readers that this war was caused by the obsessive and irrational actions of salvation. He said that, as an independent military specialist, he remained dedicated to bringing an end to the war and to minimising the loss of life as a result of the war. And he issued a warning to the Thargoids. You haven't seen the last of me yet. The day after Admiral Tanner resigned from the Federal Navy, Princess Ashling has persuaded the Emperor to provide limited backing to the re-establishment of Aegis, and it will be Ashling who coordinates the programme on behalf of the Empire. According to reports published in the Imperial Herald, the princess arrived at the Imperial Palace without an appointment, burst into the throne room and demanded to speak to Emperor Arissa. After a lengthy, and according to sources close to the Imperial family, heated discussion, Her Majesty came forth to issue a revised proclamation. The Emperor made it clear that her policy of total isolationism remained firmly in place, but with one exception. She has tasked Princess Ashling personally with opening negotiations with the Federation and Alliance specifically and exclusively about the possibility of reforming the anti-Zeno agency Aegis. And the Princess will be held personally responsible for any undesirable consequences of this exception to Imperial policy. Ashling has reportedly already recruited some of her own loyalists, including one-time love interest Senator Caspian Leopold, Vice Admiral Schuyler Anderson and the xenological specialist Ivano Columbera to assist her in this new initiative. The prospect of a renewed, revitalised Aegis has moved another step forwards. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to. 